listens to this edition of the Crosstown Baseball Show, sponsored by DraftKings. Just kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, my uh, my DraftKings uh, koozie is on its way, uh, along with a case of beer and uh, the first hundred dollar bet card, free. First hundred dollar bets are free. Wow, so generous. You know, you mentioned it in every show so far that I expect that you're going to me- mention your your angst for this DraftKings sports book every show going forward. What I'm hopeful is that the show becomes so popular that DraftKings becomes our first sponsor. That's my <laughs> ultimate goal. <laughs> That's a good goal, and the irony would just be incredible. Um, right. And I'd be wearing well, a DraftKings t-shirt. They oh, send me their, I would love they that. They send me their swag. We'll send them some of our swag. They, they'll they send us some of theirs. They need to be our first sponsor. Oh, that'd be great. I'm almost tempted to reach out to them. Well, uh, we're here again for another episode of the Crosstown Baseball Show. Um, we are your host. I'm Anthony Shulo. This is Anthony Romanelli. We're your guys for White Sox and Cubs Talk. And today we're on to part two of our Cubs convention recap. Uh, yesterday, we went ahead and actually put out our first ever a video video version of the podcast on YouTube. So if you haven't went over there and watched us and watched the show, please go ahead and do so and make sure you're subscribing and liking the show. And then, of course, if you want the audio version, the regular podcast form, you can find that um, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, even Spotify. You can actually get both the audio and the video on Spotify, oddly enough. So um, go ahead and make sure you're uh, following us, liking us, reviewing us on all those platforms. But we are back today to finish up the discussion on Cubs convention. Obviously, Romanelli and I were there over the weekend and yesterday. We did have a t- chance to talk uh, more uh, more about the sessions that the Ricketts family had and the baseball operations team had. But there were actually three more sessions that we had a chance to uh to listen in on, and we'll just jump right into it. Um, one of the, I think, the most interesting sessions from from Saturday, Romanelli, was actually that one um, with uh, David Ross and the rest of the coaches. So on this panel was, of course, Rossi, the manager. There was Tommy Hadavi, the very popular pitching coach that seemingly got a, a you know, a, a standing ovation from the fans. It's, fans it's every time he spoke. It's pretty. It's because <laughs> pretty. The ladies like Tommy. He's a good-looking man. Well, everyone loves a handsome man on the coaching staff. Um, right. That was Tommy Hadovy. They also had up there with uh, with the rest of the staff, uh, Dustin Kelly, who was actually the new hitting coach for 23. They yep. had Mike Napoli, the first base coach, and um, Willie Harris, the third base coach. So um, hearing kind of the coaching staff, some new faces, new names for the first time, Romanelli, what were some of your takeaways hearing from the coaching, uh, coaching team? Um. I think that uh, with Willie Harris being kind of a Cub favorite, uh, the crowd kind of fed off of him quite a bit. Uh, and again, with Hadavi being the, the pretty boy on the panel, that didn't hurt either. Um, so it was it actually made for a, a pretty relaxing, pretty uh, entertaining uh, panel from, from beginning to end, from top to bottom. Um, what I liked about it was the questions that were asked to the panel. A lot of those questions came from kids. Um, somewhere online, not too long ago, I saw that you know somebody should allow all kids into all sport sporting events for free because you get them at an early age. 
Um, mm -hmm. I think the kids, some of the questions like, who's going to start first? You know, who who's going to start? You know, they don't know. Um, but that one person who asked the question gave the reason why um, Justin Steele should start. He gave a whole explanation uh, to Rossi, and he's like, "Thanks for doing my job." So, yeah. <laughs> so even Rossi's got a good uh, he's got a good vibe about him and stuff. I think that that entire staff is going to gel pretty well. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I will say um, one thing that that uh, Ross had said about his staff was, um, in particular, addressing Tommy Hadavi had mentioned, you know, Hadavi's, uh, you know, been with been with the team for I think we're going on about three years now that he's been with yeah. the Cubs, and and I will have to say he did say, oh, Tommy's one of the best pitching coaches in the game, and and. Uh, it, objectively, you know, I can make the argument for Ethan Katz on the other side of town, but sure. let's just let's just call a spade a spade here. Uh, Tommy Hadovy is proven to be a really good communicator, works well with that Cubs pitching staff, and I'd be very mm. interested to see what he does with some of these younger guys in the in the rotation. Your Keegan Thompsons, your Hayden Nueskis, or uh, Hayden Wesneskis, you know, mm. those folks. Very interested to see what leaps they can take under Hadovy's uh, uh, tutelage, if you will. Yeah, I think I think that was a good word. Uh, leaps, um, as you and I talked yesterday, uh, we both are under the belief that, or have the, the belief that next year's the year where they're really going to make uh, some noise. So if Hadavi can do his job and and get these guys to leap to that next level, uh, I, I think next year could be could be really, really in, excuse me, really really interesting. Definitely. One of the things that they talked about and actually came up a few times in the in the fan questions was um, and a perfect group to ask uh, was the questions about the rule changes, uh, particularly with the elimination of the shift in 23 and then the larger uh, the larger bases. And uh, so the question came up about, oh, does that mean you're letting the guys loose and they're just going to be stealing bases left and right? And uh, and Ross was a little coy on that, saying, you know, I really don't let anyone loose. Um, how do you kind of see or hope to see this team kind of the coaching staff coach differently off of these rule changes? Um, I'm curious, to be honest with you, about like the base size. How much bigger is it going to be that it's going to make that much of a difference, um, to be honest with you. I, I think the pitch clock is is going to move the game along. Here's one thing that I don't understand still regarding the, the rule changes, and this goes back to the last rule change with every pitcher must pitch to three batters or, or relief pitchers. Mm -hmm. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because offensively and defensively in football or, or basketball in particular, sorry, you can, you know, one guy's in for offense, another one's out for defense, in for offense, in for defense. You make those switches because that's what the game needs. The game doesn't need one guy to pitch to three pitchers just because somebody says so. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the size of the bases, I don't know if it's going to matter if you don't have the speed. <laughs> Right. We're not expecting uh, we're not expecting a, a Patrick Wisdom or a Matt Mervis or Ian Gomes to be busting it to steal second all of a sudden. That's not no. going to happen here. No, you're, you're going to get you're going to get Nico maybe to get 20 stolen bases if we're lucky. Um, the days of, you know, the Ricky Hendersons and the guys who could absolutely fly are gone. They don't they're mm -hmm. 
guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and more into hitting. And because uh, analytics has changed so much, they realize all they got to do is once they get to second, they'll end up getting home anyway. So is it really worth the out to steal the base? And they have all those numbers. So I, I, I don't believe Ross, Ross and company are going to change uh, their their philosophy on running because I don't unless they get a guy who can absolutely fly. Uh, I don't I don't see that happening. And then that's the kind of stuff you do if you're in the pennant race and you go and get somebody, let's say from Tampa, who's way or somebody who's way out of it. I, I don't care if it's Tampa or uh, Cincinnati. If you find some little guy that can absolutely fly that you can get as a pinch runner for a you know deep into a playoff run, I don't see that affecting the game too much. I'm more, I'm way more curious about the pitching clock, mm. how that's going to affect people. Again, I will, I've said this forever. People who love the game, love the game for the game. They don't care about sitting as long as they do that. That's just people outside of the game trying to make it uh, shorter. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say this about, about those rule changes while we're talking about them is, is I, Obviously, we're both doing this because we love the game, we and it kind of is uh, ever present in our in our brains. But uh, what I will say is, I, I do care less about the whole sitting there for three to four hours. I go there because I like doing that. But yeah. what I do care about, and which I what I think a lot of these rules are trying to do, is not going to lie. I would love to go to a game and see some more balls in play. I would love to see you know Dansby and Horner try to get balls up the middle and and make that diving you know out at first. Though I do want to see more of that. And I think when I think about the rule about, you know, limiting the shift, that's the one it, that actually excites me. That's the one. Thank you. Without question, that's going to bring old school baseball back. That That's going to – they talked about it in, in the panel yesterday, like so many times a ball up the middle that you knew was a single. Well, they had everybody in the shift to where the third baseman was behind the, the second baseman and then somebody else was in right field and – it just cut so much offense down that I'm glad that that's gone away. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that's gone away. It, it's interesting because then you look, and, and the Sox have some of these left-handers as well. But you know, since we're talking about Cubs, you look at a guy like Cody Bellinger who had a terrible, you know, 2022 season. But if, if you're eliminating the shift and he's making good contact on these balls, I mean, eliminating the shift alone you're talking about maybe him hitting instead of 240 a 260 you know what i mean like potentially i mean that's a big deal it is a big deal uh one of the things that i learned from the convention that even as a cup fan my entire life that i never knew that only one batter in billy williams hit 40 home runs to right field mm. everybody thinks that wrigley is such a hitter-friendly park, but only one batter in the history of the Cubs has gotten 40 home runs to right field, that tells you the Cubs really, and Ian Happ said it, he learned how to adjust, so he's not pulling the ball as much. He's sending the ball to left field. He's hitting the ball to left field more, and I think once the analytics continue to prove that, the Cubs aren't necessarily going to go out and get a Bellinger to try and hit the 40 home runs. If you look at the difference with Rizzo leaving and going to the short porch in New York, he hit 35. Like, oh, mm. my God. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I think, was really, really interesting to me. Uh, not understanding as much of 
of Wrigley Field as I thought. I, I, you just think, you know, there goes another one from Rizzo. There goes another one from Schwarber when he was there. Like, you know, they, they kept hitting him and hitting him. But nobody hit 40 home runs to right field because nobody could just based on the wind and the way the park is set up. And I've never in my life, I never in my life would have thought that ever. I want to go back to David Ross for a moment. You've made comments, you know, a couple episodes ago, a few times actually, that you said, you know, if you're not sure that Ross is the guy, if they're not going to be performing soon, he may not lead this team. And, and I kind of, I want to take a step back after hearing from Ross on Saturday with that staff, um, you know, say that everything goes well, right? Say they have, they take that, that step next season in 2024, they're really, you know, competing and are actually a playoff caliber team. Is is Ross the guy? Like, does he have the intangibles? What is your faith in him? I I do believe he has the intangibles, without question. Um, he was Lester's specific catcher, so he knows how the game works. We know that we we saw him do a good enough job with the pitching staff that that you felt comfortable with the moves he made. I don't think he made any moves that that you were like, what are you doing? Like during, <clears throat> during the World Series, you, did, you had that what are you doing moment when, when Madden came out and went and got Lester. Like what are you, like in the middle of the inning, you don't do that. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? The Cubs wait, so he wasn't, wait, so he wasn't walking people with 0-2 counts? <laughs> no. Um, Pulling a Tony? Yeah, right. Um, so uh, I think... He's going to do a good job, but he has to pull the right strings. I'm telling you, he has to. If he does, if if they don't, as a matter of fact, now with the moves that they've made, if you look at that lineup, and I said this before, I think going 81 and 81 will be huge for them, will be an improvement. Uh, people online have been talking about 87 wins and they can potentially get into the playoffs. And obviously, I'd be fine. I'd be I'd be ecstatic with 87 wins, but we know that the pitching is a huge, huge issue right now. Um, even though they they picked up the few starters that they have, we don't know much about the strength of the bullpen. Um, we don't know that we have a true closer. He talked about Ross talked about you know if he gets into a game where he ha- where he has to do. One pitcher of the seventh inning, one pitcher of the eighth inning, one pitcher of the ninth inning. He'll do it, but he's he's not sure yet. And at this point in your coaching career, or man, I'm sorry, managerial career, um, you better know. You absolutely better know. Um, and don't get me wrong, a man of his caliber and his experience, uh, and having been on the World Series teams that he has, I know he has the capability. Now, can he execute properly when he needs to? Um, they say they say every manager only affects four or five games, and I wholeheartedly believe that. What I'm hoping is those four or five games aren't the four or five that keep them from going 81 and 81 or mm. missing the playoffs by a game and a half because of a decision or two that Ross made. And, you know, not – not because Nico wasn't hitting or because somebody, you know, ran himself, you know, blew through a stop sign that uh, that Willie gave him or whatever. 
But if Ross makes one too many mistakes and they miss the playoffs, I think he's safe this year because you and I both, I said, we, we keep talking about it. This isn't the year next year will be. Okay. Sure. So if he then makes that one mistake this year, then he can't make it next year, or I believe he'll be gone. And and I could I, I could definitely see that that possibility. I mean, obviously the Cubs, and it's not just the Cubs. Any other team in the majors, every other team in the majors, at one point, you know, they have their manager to get them through a rebuild, to get them through that retool, whatever you want to call it. And then there's always that kind of that managerial hire hire when you're ready to win. And we've seen it in you know Joe Madden for this organization. We've seen it for Tony Larusa for the Sox, even though that was an epically terrible disaster. Um, that was the impetus for those type of hires. So it could very well be. And and don't get me wrong, I I agree with you. I think I think Ross has the intangibles. I think there's a lot of we look at the recent managerial hires in the last five years across the league. They're all young catchers. They're all guys in their late thirties, early forties who are previously catchers, and a lot of them are still with their team. So I think. If all goes well, he has a lot of staying power. I, I completely agree with you, uh, and I hope he does stay. Um, I just I just worry. I just worry. Again, in, we talked about Jed having Theo's, Theo's shadow. So, okay, if Jed – I'm sorry, if Ross doesn't do it, Jed makes the move to get rid of Ross. So now it's all on Jed. It's now Jed's team if he gets rid of Ross because then there's nobody left. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, I know Hendricks is still there, but uh, I got, I want him to win it, you know, win it all. Right. Do well, what I would love for them to be this year's Phillies. Because, mm. because Philly came out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Um, and I would love for them to be this year's Phillies because no one, no one, no one is scared of the Cubs. Nobody. No way. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's something that David Ross does have going for him for sure. And I don't know if you heard about this. Um, really wacky thing that um, an outlet by the name of gambling.com did. Apparently, they used a beauty technology analysis <laughs> to rate the sexiest MLB managers in baseball. And our man David Ross was number five. Sweet. So, so I'm. Do I ask who one through four were? You you gotta know because you're gonna laugh. Number one, I was laughing because did we run out of shit to talk about? Is this what we're doing now? Like this is only our fourth podcast ever, and we're talking about the <laughs> sexiest managers alive. No, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about someone took their time to report this. Like, so for for shits and gigs, here here's here's with the list. Okay. I, I'm going to laugh if you can guess number one. So number or number four, excuse me, was Ross. Number um, three was Tori Lovello of the Diamondbacks. Number two was Rob Thompson of the Phillies. Who do you think number one was? And you're not going to guess. If you do, I'll be very surprised. Okay, then I'll ask for a hint. American or National League? National League. It's toughy. No way you're getting this. <laughs> um, I'll, I won't. I'll give you another hint. He. I won't give you the team he's currently managing, but he was. He was kind of most, I suppose, famous for his 
tenure managing the Orioles? Oh, I can think because I'm so old. All I can think of is Earl Weaver. Um, no, Earl Weaver. <laughs> he, uh, before managing the Mets, was a regular on MLB Network. I, I can't even think. Who is it? His name rhymes with Muck Walter. Get the hell out of here. I'm not kidding you. He was no, he was a, at a at a prime age of 66. He is number one on the list. Well, the the, the Cubs pitching coach hasn't beat. Um, well, I mean, yeah, if this was hot as you know pitching coaches or whatever. I mean, maybe that's what they're doing next. As soon as yeah, as soon as that dude moves up to a manager, uh, he'll have that locked for a while. Oh. So what was so one like you said? Who the hell took the time to figure this out? Who two? Who did they poll? Like it's like they polled every Homer Simpson body type. I, I mentioned oh. Earl Weaver, and you, you're talking Buck Schultz. Come on! It, I I just I had I had to sneak it in here because I I think you I thought you'd just get a kick out of it. That is that's that's very much. Uh, uh, that's the perfect, like, hey, I got something that kind of, that came out of nowhere. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. Um, one of the things that next, you had brought next up. Week, next week, we have to talk, like, uh, sexiest ankles. Oh, yeah. Let's not even. That that sentence just made me throw up on my mouth. Thank you very much. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's move on while we're not ahead at all. Um, so you mentioned Ian Happ. And I want to go to Ian Happ for a second because he has a podcast called The Compound hosted by Ian Happ. And um, what he did at, at the convention on Saturday was he had a series of people on with him for 15-minute segments. So we had a chance. Dude. Yeah, talk about good-looking dudes. He's, he's, he's a handsome gentleman. So he had six folks with him on Saturday, Cody Bellinger, Mark Grace, uh, Nico Horner, Jameson Tyone, Tucker Barnhart, and Jan Gomes were actually with him, talking to him for a bit on Saturday. And, uh, you know, having a chance to see what I think is Ian in his natural um, environment, talking with the guys, what, what, did you, what did you get after hearing that from Ian? I, I have a newfound respect for Hap. Um, I really do. I think he's, he, I mentioned this before, he's somebody you could have a beer with. Uh, he seemed very much in his element behind a mic. Um, I even think the setup of the chairs, they were like couch chairs. And he was just leaning back and had the microphone there. And it was just as if he was BSing with him and the one person he was talking to and nobody else was there, even though it was full of a thousand Cub fans. <laughs> he, is, he is very chill. Uh, he clearly he knows his stuff, um, but I have a newfound respect for how easy it is to get along with him, and I think I underestimated how likable he was. I yeah, think, totally. I think he's really, really likable, and I don't think I believed that for a long time. Um, he huh. he's got that very not stern isn't the right. He's got a very like. Blank face, kind of just stoic yeah, thing stoic, going yeah, on. Stoic's a good word. A very stoic face, um, but comes across as cool as a cucumber. Seriously, just great. I was his interview was. I'm sorry, his interviews were great. 
Uh, he had everybody relaxed. Um, I'll be curious what he does when he retires from baseball. And uh, that's not happening anytime soon because he's in got his $10 million in arbitration and he may not be a Cub by the end of the year, which, scares well, me, which also scares me to death. Let, let's talk about that because that's where I kind of wanted to go with this. I think I think there's two things about Ian Happ, and, and I think one of them we learned on Saturday. Number one is what we already knew is that he is a switch inning outfielder. He hits for contact. He's got some pop. He's definitely great with the glove. As 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 we know, he won the gold glove, uh, gold glove over the over the over the winner. Um, but this other thing we learned on Saturday was that he's just a stand up guy, and he he is great for this clubhouse, and is is truly coming to his own as as a leader. So all of this to me, Romanelli means that he should be top of the list for an extension. Yes, he should be the only one that they should be concerned concerning themselves with as we speak to get him the extension he deserves. Um, every year he gets better. Every year he hits better. Uh, he's become, like you said, he's become more of a leader. Uh, at, at the beginning, I, I was like, I don't know about this kid because it's so hard to switch hit in this league because every park is different. Every pitcher knows everything about every hitter and vice versa. Right. Um, and he is he is as solid as they come. Um, I they used the they used the term the other day unicorn. He is he's like a unicorn. Mm. And to trade away a switch hitting Gold Glove player at at this at, at you know while he's on the up of his career again rubs me the wrong way. I, you understand almost why the Cubs did what they did with the 2015-16, that whole group and that whole team. But if you're on round two of making a push, you don't get rid of Ian Happ. You you don't. And you don't. And here, here's why you don't. Is We all know the skill. We all yeah. know the numbers you can put up. That's fine. But here's, I think, the, the, the wild card here is if you're a team that for the next two, three, four, five, six years, whatever your window is, you want to win. You want to sign good players, but you want to sign good players that are flexible. When you have a good player that can play left, center, right, second, hell, throw them at third. Like You can continue to shape this team around Ian Happ, and he's flexible enough where if you want to add a big name somewhere, you know he's going to go where he's needed. And you will always have that guy in your lineup. That does not work for most of these players. Now, to that point, I believe that the Cubs are giving themselves five years. They signed Swanson to seven. Okay, he's a, he's a great shortstop. He's a he's a World Series shortstop. You're going to give Hap five to seven, and you're going to give Nico five to seven. Mm. Okay, so you're up. You're strong up the middle. Hap's got his years in. He deserves his five to seven. I think outside of seven, he's he's gone. Because, but I also don't think anybody's going to sign anybody for ten years anymore. I just, I think, I think the Mets uh, owner has kind of screwed the pooch. And 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 in addition to the excessive amount that he spent. Uh, then didn't Tatis sign for more than 10 years? Yeah, he was actually 13. Yeah, 13 years, and then he gets busted for steroids. So right. you you can't you I don't I don't blame any manager for not wanting to sign someone for 10 years. 
I wholeheartedly believe it's a five, a five-year window. Five. You're looking at because you're bringing up Mervis to potentially start as a DH, and that's sounding more and more like the real deal. Mm-hmm. Mervis and uh, who's the other one? The other rookie coming. Pro Armstrong. Yeah, I think there was a picture. I think they're lightning and thunder. Is that who they are? Oh no, it was them, Mervis and Armstrong, Crow yeah. Armstrong. <laughs> so lightning and thunder. So they're coming. And but are they going to come this year? Or are they going to come next year? So you've got those guys. So you sign them for five years. Now you sign you sign them five to seven. I'm thinking it's a five year window, and it start and like to me the the Clark the Clark the clock starts now, like right now. Yeah, yeah, it it sure does. And and while we're talking about this contract stuff, I actually actually want to make a correction of something I said. I think it was a couple weeks ago now. Remember we were talking about the Cubs payroll space and I said, oh, they have 30 million. Well, that's actually incorrect. And I wanted to correct the record here. So right now it is correct that their estimated 23 payroll is 184 million. But what I didn't take into account was anything like um, any payments that need to be made to players that are no longer on the 40 man roster or health insurance benefits that all count towards the luxury tax. So their actual luxury tax number is 221 million, which is 12 million short of that first tax threshold. So they actually have 12 million left to spend and they're getting right up to that first threshold. Now, from what we heard um, this weekend, it looks like they're going to utilize that 12 million the best they can. I don't imagine that they're going to get past that first tax threshold, at least this year. Excuse me. I don't agree with you. Yeah, I don't know that because you and I both believe that they're not going to compete for the National League Central title. I don't see them going over that threshold unless some, you know, by some miracle, they come out in April and just blow everybody away and just take the division by storm and everything else. Then they'll spend the money because that's Mm -hmm. what they did with. Uh, Chapman. They gave up the farm to go get Chapman to be the closer to make sure that they won that World Series. And ultimately, it it worked. So it's got to be it's got to be there, and they have to know that it's there. Like, in 16, they knew. They just, they knew it and they did it, and people were complaining when they got rid of Jimenez and all the other guys from the farm system, but Chapman did his job. So will they Will they go over the luxury tax? My belief is the same as yours. No, no, they they won't. But I do think, like you said, there and and Jed hinted to this when he talked on Saturday too, is that he is certainly in in the mindset of talking to some of these players about extensions. And I think it was kind of subliminally subliminally noted both Hap and Horner. But going back to the Hap thing for a second, because you say you know a five to seven year deal. I mean, here's the thing about the market is. I think you and I have that hesitation for signing players for 10 plus years to big money. And, and there's reason for that. But at the end of the day, one thing we're also noticing after this off season is that these older players that are 32, 33 plus are actually making good money on their contracts. For example, because it's close to home for me, Jose Abreu was signed by the Houston Astros, 60 million. Okay. I mean, the guy is what? 35, 34, he's 35 years old. I mean, he's going to be making as a 35-year-old ball player who is going to 
you would think regress over the next three years, he's making 60 million. So if you were to sign a 28 year old Ian Happ to that five to seven year deal, that puts him at 33. And he still has a chance if he plays even slightly above average ball to rack in big money in a second contract when he's 33. If you're Ian Happ and you love playing here, why wouldn't you take that? The, the, the seven years, yeah. That's, yeah, that's to me the threshold. Uh, the difference between Abreu and Hap is pure power. And you, and, sure. and, and Abreu going to Houston, which is the size of a candy store, the same way the, the new uh, Yankee Stadium being is a joke. Um, Abreu is going to destroy the ball. There's no way Hap, Hap doesn't have the same kind of power. Um, so his value, can't, you can't equate the value the same. Um, because as soon as his numbers dip, and they, they may dip, and again, I don't, I haven't studied enough uh, when it comes to switch hitting averages, but when he dips one way, is he going to try and overcompensate on the other and just get in his own head and all that kind of stuff? Again, I have no idea, but I can't possibly imagine a switch hitter who's who progresses downward uh, is going to get a ton of money. Again, he's he's at he's prime age right now. Give him he's twenty eight, like you said. So if you give him seven, that puts him at thirty five. He's not, and and they have proven time and time again. 32 is actually the age where averages decline, OPS declines. 32 is the age. So four years might be too short. Seven years might be too long. So give them five to seven, maybe five to seven or six to seven. But the option from as a as a Cubs management Cubs management, the option needs to be management option. Like the way was it was it Hosmer who took player option for two years? Or was it the player option? The player, like the two-year contract with the second year being the player option. Um, no, I don't think that was Hosmer because he he was part of that original his original deal with the, deal it, with the Padres was a ten-year deal. I don't think it had any options in it. Okay, was it Mancini then who took just took two years? Oh yes, so man, oh yeah, Mancini's contract was the two years, and then the twenty twenty-three after this season, he actually has the opt-out. Yeah. And, and, oh, he has the opt-out. That's right. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think half five to seven years, I'm comfortable with. That, make, that and, makes sense. I mean, I, I get your point about, like, the potential, you know, regression thing. And I, the regression I still – I don't know how I feel about it, if I'm being honest with you, because I, I understand that some of the numbers back up regression, but then I see some of these unicorns, like – a Justin Verlander, and I'm just like, if these guys stay on top of their game, maybe you do have a few guys that like, you know, don't that uh, beat the law of averages per se and, and perform. It's just I know that they try to make it with stats and analytics a direct science, and I don't buy that it is all the time. I think it is very much based on the individual player, and I think some players will surprise you into their mid to late thirties. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think Verlander pitched out of his mind. Um, last year, uh, part of me was like steroids. Um, I went right to steroids, but I, again, I have no clue. I have honestly have no idea. He pitched out of his mind. He was unhittable all the way through. Um, 
I'm surprised Verlander left Houston for uh, the Mets. I, and I know it's all about, I know it's all about the money. Oh yeah. But to me, I want to go where I'm going to win. You've got, you don't know that you're going to win. Houston is a, they've become a true powerhouse. Even after the cheating scandal, they forever stayed strong. And they're a, they're a threat. They're a team that's a legitimate threat. And why Verlander would leave is, is beyond me. And, and I know it's just because of the money. Um, again, money we can't fathom, but it's because of the money and not, and not, and maybe it's because he already won there. So let me go win somewhere else. Mm. Um, but again, I also don't understand that mindset. If I've won once with a certain club, I, I want to build a legacy. They want to, you know, let's build right. a legacy as a team. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, uh, I feel like the Ian Happ thing is something, you know, you and I feel very strongly about given, you know, all the extension failures of the past for the Cubs. And we'll see in the spring training how it goes. You know, I will say just to cap off the, the Ian Happ combo is uh, Jed Hoyer also Saturday in individual interviews outside of the session uh, spoke very candidly about, you know, once you get deep into starting spring training games, he he doesn't want to talk extensions. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in kind of between now and when pitchers and catchers report and that kind of one, one and a half weeks before games start. So we'll, uh, we'll see. And, and if history serves, it's not going to happen before then because we saw Ian Happ and Contreras hug when they were like, Oh, thank God I didn't get traded. I, I again, again, your comment that we read or we talked about yesterday the whole and Jed and I, as opposed to we, Jed's not going to ever show his cards. No, he, he knows what he's going to do. He 100% knows what he's going to do, or 100% has all of the uh, potential uh, possibilities probably laid out in, in a spreadsheet, a lot like yours, um, <laughs> that he won't tell anybody. But I, I will be shocked if he signed before uh, spring training. Now, you and I both know this, and then we can move on. The smartest thing for Jed to do, so you can have your gold glove left fielder focus only on the game, is to sign your gold glove left fielder right now. Correct. Correct. We'll see what happens. Um, I'll be very eager to follow that through through the rest of the spring. Um, moving on to the last session that we saw on Saturday, that will wrap up our Cubs convention talk. Um, they did have a Cubs pitchers panel, which had quite a few names on it. So, of course, they had the professor Kyle Hendricks on the panel. They had um, Adrian Sampson, Drew Smiley. Um, newcomer Jameson Tyone. They also had a few of the younger guys, Keegan Thompson, Hayden Wisniewski. Um, it, we didn't learn really much, if I'm being honest, from this session. Uh, the only thing that we did learn of some significance was it is very apparent that Kyle Hendricks, uh, good chance he's not ready for opening day. Yeah, they mentioned that there was something online today <clears throat> that he's probably not going to be ready. Um, so, um, Steele is your starter. <laughs> you steel is your guy. You are all you are high on steel. I am high on steel and I am high on Horner. I told you at the convention, if I if I am to buy two new jerseys, those are the jerseys I'm buying. Um I, I say 
Uh, steel is your one. Talent is your two. Outside of that, I have no idea. So, so let's think about this here for a second. This is something I know there wasn't much content in the panel panel for being honest. So let's no. just talk about this staff while we're at it, because if you look at this staff right now, it does consist of, if we can put together, I'll give you my five just based on what they have. Like if we're looking at just, we're opening the season today and we have five starters, then we're looking at, let me go ahead and pull up my list here. We're looking at Marcus Stroman, uh, Kyle Hendricks, once he's healthy, Jameson Tyone, Justin Steele, and then you have a spot for one more person. Is, is that a Drew Smiley? Is that a Thompson? Is that uh you know, Adbert Azale, maybe he has a breakthrough finally here in the spring. Who knows? I mean, they have a lot of options, especially even like a younger guy like Wesniski, who really impressed the end of 2022 in, in some of his spot starts. I mean, it it looks like the front end of the rotation seems pretty set in stone with a whole lot of question marks after maybe the third spot. Um, I would agree with you. Uh, I would say that the one who has the best chance based on last year is Azale. Um, his, the, his movement reminds me of Pedro uh, when Pedro mm. in his heyday, the way his ball moves when it when he pitches when he when he's on. To me, he has the best chance, at least in my mind, of being the number five. But again, if Hendricks as your number three isn't ready for your op- for opening day, so then a- Adzale is in for sure, in my mind. And then maybe Wisniewski, maybe Smiley. I don't know. One of the one of those two. It depends on. Does it depend on spring training? Yeah, and and I'll tell you what. You know, we talk, we keep bringing it up, but it's an, more evidence of this is we all know it takes more than five starters to get through 162 games. But this is going to be the year where they're going to give multiple of these guys multiple starts to know who are the five in 2024. And at the end of the day. That's probably all they care about. I agree, which is why I, which is why I keep saying they need to win eighty-one games. There needs to be, or there at least needs to be. So let's say they go with Adzale. His first five starts, they all better be quality starts. Whether the Cubs win or lose, if they're looking for the twenty twenty-four season, or if they decide on Smiley, his first five starts better be quality starts you know if four out of five are but that fifth one is a complete shit show then you've got a problem uh stroman when he's on is unhittable uh when he's off and he's wild he scares me um this right now as a pitching staff doesn't scare me um Talons, Steel is the real deal. Talons, the real deal. Um, you want Hendricks back because you know what he can do. He he has proven he's the real deal as a World Series winner. Blah blah blah. Um, but there's to me to me there's way too many questions with that pitching staff. Well, I'll tell you this: is I think there's plenty more questions with the bullpen. I, I actually. Given what the Cubs are trying to accomplish this year, I I, I kind of like that rotation supplemented with the with the current lineup they have. But that bullpen, here's something for you: that bullpen has projected right now has only one player that has more than five years of major league service. 
Brad Boxberger. All the other ones are names that a lot of, maybe a lot of our, even our audience hasn't even, the listeners haven't even heard about. Hey, Brandon Hughes, he's got a little bit of time. We saw some action last season. Yep. You got Rowan Wick. We know Rowan Wick. Manuel Rodriguez has a little over a year of service time. Anthony Kay, Adrian Sampson can flex from the rotation of the bullpen. But these are all guys that, again, have not established themselves all huge question marks. Correct. I do believe, and we joked about this and talked about this and whatever, I would almost bet money that Chafin comes back. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing it. Um, you, when, you've got, when you go out and get uh, a proven winner in Swanson and in Ballinger, and you're looking for that, you, just, you, you made the statement that not, none of those guys have five years. Excuse me, or uh, have very few of them have five years of major league experience. And then you bring a guy like Chafin back that the crowd loves, that Chafin can talk to those young guys about what it's like, what the ball does on certain days, in certain conditions. Um, he would be a legitimate positive for that bullpen. Yes, he's a fan favorite, but he also knows the park well. He knows how it plays. He knows how the ball rolls, all that kind of stuff. He just – he would be a really good addition, a fan favorite aside. I think so. And and someone to kind of help with the younger guys, you know, yep. provide some leadership and, and kind of, uh, you know, teach them and take them under their wing. But I, I I do think when I look at this whole roster objectively as a whole, when I look at the weak spots right now, the weakest spot in my eyes is that bullpen. And if they're going to lose games in 2023, it's going to be losing them in inning mm. six through nine right now is what it's looking like. And to that point, uh, I fear their lack of uh, their inability to score runs. If they don't score runs, uh, well, obviously, I mean, you know, state the state the obvious. If you don't score, you don't you don't win. Um, yeah. But if you're not scoring and you don't have anybody in the back end to, for four, six through nine, then your season's over in April. So they they have to they have to make some noise. I believe that they, the management, the Ross and, and that group that was all up there, they believe that they can do it. I don't know that we believe yet. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I'll tell you what, when it comes to this Cubs team in 2023, I'm very excited when we talk about kind of the predictions and we're going to, in about a month, talk about predictions for the season and for spring training. And I, I have to really put some thought into this because there are so many wild cards and I, I just don't know where this is going to go. I, I don't either. I think I'm, the thing I know I'm most excited about right now is, is Swanson and Horner up the middle. That yes, as a, as a old school baseball purist, having those two guys up the middle, that's, that gets me excited. That, Fair enough. Yeah. And I think at the moment, that's about it. Like, <laughs> honestly, about getting excited uh, because you still have the, the unsure future of Hap. So how can I get excited until I know he signed? So, you're, so your list is, one, Danzy Swanson, mm -hmm. two, Nico Horner, three, Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner. That's right. your list. Correct. Well, and, right. and my man, Justin Steele. Steele's my man. Oh, right. I mean, he's one, right? Yeah. He's he's above all else, clearly. Steele, um, I will say this. 
I'm going to say this now. Top five pitchers in the National League by the end of the season. Stop. No. Come on. I'm telling you. Top five. You really are that high. And I, I, well, I haven't smoked anything, but yes, I am. I was going to, I was going to say, or are you just high? Because that's a bold statement. He, he's got an edge about him that no other pitcher on that staff has. He, you can see it in his eyes and the way he walks. It, he, it, he is a bigger version of Lester. He's Lester 2.0. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I might be eating those words in six, you know, in six weeks into the season. And he's, you know, and he's DFA. Who knows? Well, um, hell, for your case, I, I hope you're right, and we're gonna we're gonna see. But uh, but what I want to do is, um, as we kind of wrap up here, our, our second um, a part two of our uh, Cubs convention recap show. Um, just wanted to get your final thoughts on having experienced Saturday from your perspective. What did you walk away feeling? after you left that convention. Um, how do you feel as a fan having experienced it now that we're getting closer to spring training? Um, hopeful. I think I felt hopeful. I think I felt refreshed is a, is a good way to put it. Um, the winter mm-hmm. months in Chicago are so long. Um, and again, having never been to the Cubs convention, to walk in and just see that much excitement on people's faces for the entire time we were there, uh, kind of like recharged my my let's go Cubs. I don't know mindset. Like let's go, I'm ready. Like let's go. And when Rossi mentioned like, well, as soon as we get to Arizona, and I'm like, yes, yes. And I know there's like 75 days left till the season starts, and pitchers and catchers report in just over a month, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I I would say I'm hopeful. I'm I'm. I'm a little, almost excited a little bit too early or earlier than normal because I went for the first time in my life. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I think you and I love this game enough where it doesn't matter when it is in nope. the offseason. We're looking forward to it all winter long. Yep. Every, every bit of it. All the time. I love it. I love it. Well, that wraps up kind of all of our coverage from from the Cubs convention. Uh, certainly something we're going to be want to be doing again next year. But before we wrap up here, just wanted to give you uh, some more reminders, right? This is our second video show. We're, gonna, we're going to keep doing these. Um, and you can find uh, the video edition of the Crosstown Baseball Show on YouTube. You can also find it actually on Spotify. So if you have Spotify and you subscribe to the show there, you get the audio version and you get the video version. There you go, bringing in the fourth, the fourth, four-year-old uh, little scribble. Subscribe on YouTube. There, thank you, uh, Pablo Picasso here, uh, <laughs> in my in my uh, podcast partner we have here. But and see and see, here's the beautiful thing, guys. You got to watch the video because if you're not, if you're listening to the audio, you're going to get our our awesome sultry voices. But you're missing out on the the great visuals that we have here. And let me tell you. In the future, we're going to be doing some show and show and tells. We're going to be doing some great stuff. We're going to have some guests joining us. So you're going to want to definitely tune in on the video. And when you do, please, please subscribe. Look, Look at he's got some, some Cubs goodies over here. What what can I show? Let me see. Ooh. So I do have, and I'm waiting. I got to get a frame for this. I have a Ronaldo Lopez signed photo here that I got actually winning like a raffle, which I never win those things. Very nice. 
but I got that, so I'm excited for that. And you can even see, folks, that I am drinking the Sierra Mist replacement Starry. Oh, get out. <laughs> it actually is available, and I've been drinking it. And it's it's very mid, as the kids say. Very mid. Very what? Mid? Very mid. M-I-D? Yeah, am I teaching you something here? Yes, you are. Mid. It's very just like not great, not bad. It's eh, it's mid. Uh, <clears throat> my newest one that I that I like that I've heard. We are continually continually just shortening the, the entire English language. Oh, yeah. that's so mid. That's it. okay. So mid level, whatever is uh, my the one that I like is sus. No, like for <laughs> and it's just sus. Like you can't say suspicious or just it's just sus. Like, like well, seriously. Say the whole word. Let me you let me use it that in, in, in a sentence here. Please this do. tastes very much like Sierra Miss, and it is quite sus. That, that. See, see? <laughs> um, years ago, years and years ago, Ellen did a joke about how lazy we as a society have become that we can't even suck on a mint anymore. That they give us <laughs> those, those little strips and they you just put them in and like, eh. You just sit on your tongue. Yeah. 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 Oh, it just melts right into you, and that's what, <laughs> that's what's happening. That's what's happening to the English language and texting, and like BRB. Okay. You know? I don't know what is more cringy: the fact that we talked about uh, sexy knees today, or talked about something melting into you. Both of those are terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's all today for the Crosstown Baseball Show, folks. I will say the best thing you can do for us, really helping us out, is share the show, like us, and follow us on social. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe and like all of our videos. It really helps us get the word out. Of course, we are always active on Facebook. Um, you can follow uh, both Romanelli and I. Romanelli is on Twitter at Crosstown Cubs. I am on Twitter at Crosstown Socks. So until next time, we we'll could, see you. And we could create what? one more. We could create one more. Things that were cure that were like, eh, maybe it's Crosstown Sus. Oh my God, we're we, we're done, folks. This has got way out of hand. Hey, don't forget follow us next uh, next Sunday for our next episode. We're actually going to be having some previews of other divisions. You won't want to miss it. So until then, take care. Go Sox. Go Cubs.